With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Fantasy Football Weekly, a production of iHeartRadio. <laughs> Time now for Fantasy Football Weekly from iHeartRadio, your weekly source for the nation's best fantasy speculation and advice. Now, along with the guys from Fanball.com, here's the host for Fantasy Football Weekly, Paul Charchian. It is time for America's longest-running fantasy football show, Fantasy Football Weekly. I am Paul Charchian, my co-host. Today are Brian Johnson and Scott Fish. Hello, gentlemen. What's going on, Charge? Oh, uh, someone's a little rusty. Yeah, yeah it's been a couple weeks. The old mic on button got you. Been yeah. a couple weeks. That's it. Has been a couple of weeks. I, I hope you enjoyed the time away from the show. Hopefully, our listeners didn't take time away from the show because we're going to break down every game fantasy style. We'll give you a letter grade on every player, which we do, and we also give you our rationale for each grade, so you can decide if you're on board or not with our thinking. And then uh, a few minutes from now, we'll give you nine guys upon whom you can take a chance. These are players that are often on the waiver wire, guys you would not normally start but you can this week later on we'll answer three tough questions and last week i said it was going to be the last week of premature speculation because the bye weeks were over and we're going to need all the time we could get but i forgot we had the thanksgiving games so now with the extra time afforded to us with three games over premature speculation is back Oh, okay. With All a right, bit of I'll a figure out one. Better then. Right, yeah, just quickly figure <laughs> better one. Better get to work. Yes, a bit of a dynasty twist to it too, though, right? Well, dynasty not necessarily. If you if you that's the way you want to go with it, you could. But that's I'll, I'll leave that up to you. Okay. Well, that's how I interpreted the homework. But we'll get to that later. Yeah, we will get to that later. Uh, we will start, however, with oh, let me mention this. Maybe as the as before, we dive right into matchups and Cleveland Pittsburgh's coming up first. Adam Thielen's status is going to go, it, it appears it's going to be unknown going into the Monday night game. The advice that I have is make another plan. One of those viable plans can be to ride it out all the way to Monday night and pick up Josh Gordon. The Vikings have given up, they rank 30th in wide receiver touchdowns allowed, 23rd in wide receiver yardage allowed. Josh Gordon generally available in leagues. So you could pick up Josh Gordon now. Uh, and have him ready to swap in for Adam Thielen. But overall, broadly, I think you need to have a, a backup plan ready to go, Thielen owners. And at this point, you probably do, because it's been five weeks of this nonsense. Get well soon. Let's dive into the matchups. Cleveland taking on Pittsburgh. Scott, uh, even with Kareem Hunt getting a lot of work in this offense, Nick Chubb has remained very vital. He's getting plenty of carries. In fact, averaging 23 carries uh, in the games with 
uh, with Kareem Hunt. How do you like him in this matchup against Pittsburgh? Oh, I still like Chubb in this matchup. As you mentioned, Kareem Hunt is uh, he's getting the ball 10 to 12 touches a game. Mm-hmm. Nick Chubb, 22 to 27 touches a game. They're just feeding their running backs right now, and it, it's, it's, making, it's making the offense run smoother than, yeah. than putting in Mayfield's hands the whole time. Uh, Chubb has 20-plus touches in all but one game this year and is averaging 125 total yards in those games. I still have an A grade on him. I, would, I don't blame you. I have a C grade on Hunt, though, because he's getting that receiving work. He's averaging five catches per game in those three in the three games he's played, 45 to 77 yards in all three. Yep. Uh, and he's had 10 touches in each game. So he he's viable in this as a C grade. That's exactly what we told you you were going to get out of Kareem Hunt yeah. when he was coming back. We're like, look, you're going to get four, five, six, seven-ish catches, and you're going to get 40, 50, 60-ish yards, and you're gonna, he's going to give you a chance at touchdowns. We also thought the Browns would be like eight and three, too. At, that point. <laughs> at uh, least yeah. the fantasy side's working out for that. Okay, so in the passing game, uh, Baker Mayfield's getting a B for me. Uh, Pittsburgh's been stingy, holding six of the last eight, run, eight quarterbacks they faced under 200 yards and racking up 11 interceptions on those. Oof. But Mayfield has seemed to turn the corner with eight total touchdowns in the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. And he managed three touchdowns despite low yardage just two weeks ago against the same Steelers team, and he gets David Njoku back. The offense has looked better since then. So uh, I'm giving Mayfield a you know, soft B. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that, that's what we call it on this show Peterson. a B. Okay, a B. Uh, Landry, who is the alpha in this uh, receiving core, gets an A grade for me. He's completely t- overtaken OBJ as the lead dog in this pound, I mm-hmm. guess, uh, dog pound here. Uh, over his last four games, he's averaging over seven catches per game and scored five times, including at least one touchdown in all four games of the last four. Impressive. OBJ, B grade. He had 10 targets, and I'm going to air quote that for radio, <laughs> because if you watch that game against the Steelers, that th- he had 10 targets, Mayfield was not close to him on half of them. No. <laughs> so, if Mayfield can get him on target... Uh, <laughs> get his targets on target? Get his targets on target. OBJ could have a better day. And remember, he was tackled at the one on one as well. He almost scored. So uh, he's top 50 yards in six straight and averages five catches per game in those. Uh, he's safer each week than people give him credit for because we expect these huge blow up games. Right. But he is getting you, you know, five for 50 or so. It's, it's not but great. Nobody, nobody took Obel, Odell Beckham hoping for five for 50. I know, but when we're talking about starting him against the Steelers in week 13 here, yeah. you can expect the five for 50, hope for a little more. Uh, I'm giving him a B grade there. Okay. Njoku in his first game back, I'm, I'm still sitting on the bench just, just for now. Uh, he has three catches in all but one game under, with Mayfield under center. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is his first week back, and the Browns have barely targeted the tight end at all this year, maybe because Njoku's been out. But outside of a two-touchdown Will Disley game and a, and a big Hunter Henry game, the Steelers have basically shut down yeah. tight ends all year. On the other side, I think I'm benching the, almost the entire team against the Browns with Duck Hodge as a quarterback. Uh, Juju's going to be out. He's likely somewhere... Yeah, I, I like Duck Hodges, but not in this matchup. Uh, Juju's going to be out, which is is bad for the whole offense. Wait, is that the revenge duck for Joe Hayden? Well, wait, wait. It is It is the Duck Hodges sounder. Now, you, know, you just heard the Duck Hodges version. This is the revenge duck version. He's just faster, quackier. Um, it's it's technically exactly the same. So okay. really, it's just the context. Yeah. You know, the listeners gotcha. are going to have to yeah. decipher this themselves. But you know, we needed a sounder for revenge when there's a revenge matchup. 
like when Jarvis Landry plays the Dolphins or whatever, yeah. right? So we, but what's the sound of revenge? It's red, red, red. Something oh, like man, that, maybe. Mm, I don't, maybe. I don't know. That's from a movie. I got that. See, only I got. I'm, I've only have. Here's the the only other thing I have on the button bar is this. That's not revenge. That's, it, That's reminds me of die, it reminds me of Die Hard, and there's some revenge aspects in Die Hard. Well, there's a lot of revenge. It, it's way hard. better than a duck. I'm just going to throw no, that I, I kind of like the revenge duck. <laughs> right. The revenge oh, duck. You control the board. So. Oh, boy. Well, I do have Mason or uh, Hodges on the bench. It is a benefit that he's not Mason Rudolph. I mean, that's a good side, but the bad side is the Steelers are top 10 against quarterbacks in almost every category, especially over the last five weeks. Uh, Juju, obviously on the bench. Uh, he's mm-hmm. likely somewhere driving 140. Four miles with a concussion while using his film to yeah, filming phone himself, to film yes. it. Uh, James Washington is the only one I might consider, but I'm still not because he went duck hunting with Duck Hodges. Did you see that? Yeah, or, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. there's a connection there. See, I didn't know that Duck Hodges got his name because he was a duck hunter until this week. National Duck Caller. I had no idea. Yeah, I just thought it was just some quirky name that people yeah. no. give you, you know? National champion duck caller. I, I had no yeah. idea. Does uh, he take him down with footballs? That would be impressive. Yeah. That would yeah. be. That would be really <laughs> impressive. Yeah. The, the, Is there anything left in this matchup? We've got to be done. No, well, like 28 minutes into this I know, show right I know, now. but we talked about revenge ducks for eight of them. That's, That's true. true. So, uh, I, I would have given Benny Snell a C grade if James or James Conner didn't decide to start to get healthy and want to get in. So maybe he gets the C grade if he goes. I think he does. Yeah, I think Benny Snell's actually a pretty good play this week. Yeah, I I do if James Conner stays out. Well, I, he's not playing. Mm, James right. Conner's not playing, and even if he does, he's doubtful. Even if he does play, start how many plays does he get? Six. Two, don't, don't get him started one? on James Conner, Fish. He, he, it's going to be a rant. Yeah, it probably There's will. a lot of hatred, but understandably it's so. L.A., the Rams, take on the Arizona Cardinals. Now, for the Rams side, the entire passing game is a complete disaster behind Jared Goff. A, tra- a tip of the hat <laughs> tip of the hat to our frequent co-host, Matt Harrison, who pegged this thing in the preseason and has been riding out his advice all season on avoiding basically all parts of the Ram passing game. He saw this coming in a way that nobody else did that I know of. What do you think about this opportunity against Arizona? Uh, all right. I was going to start with uh, Todd Gurley, but we'll start with the passing game and Cooper Cup. Going to give him a B. And, of course, every one of these receivers is, yes, Jared Goff is his quarterback. You know, that's the, the asterisk in all this. But all right. Arizona has allowed 11 touchdowns to slot receivers. Tyler Boyd and Danny Amendola alone combined for 17 catches, 227 yards, and two touchdowns. I'm still giving... Cooper Cup a B, despite Jared Goff. Just insert, by the way, despite Jared Goff after each one of these receiver (laughs) mentionings. Most NFL teams haven't given up 11 wide receiver touchdowns, period. The Cardinals have given up 11 to the slot receiver. Almost as many tight end touchdowns that they give up. We'll, <laughs> well, we'll get to that in a second. Story, yes. um, Robert Woods, again, despite Jared Goff, I'm going to give him a C. Mm-hmm. A good candidate to see more targets if Gerald Everett can't play. We'll talk about that in a second. And Arizona has allowed a league-high 29 passing touchdowns. Shockingly, less than half have gone to wide receivers, but Byron Murphy and Patrick Peterson aren't much of a concern. It's sad that Pat Pete isn't these days, so I'm still going to no. give Woods a C. Um, but what is the concern is Jared Goff, yet again, and that's why Brandon Cooks is on the bench because he's the deep ball guy, and Goff's completion percentage on passes of 20 yards or more is under 30%. Jeez. 30%. Wow. 
It's like it's like twelve or forty. It's something incredibly awful. So I got Cooks on the bench, way too boomer bust, and Gerald Everett. Uh, here's the analysis. If you don't know, the most catches allowed to tight ends, the most yards, the most touchdowns. That's what the Cardinals have surrendered to opposing tight ends. But right. he's been very limited. Uh, he was limited on Friday, has not practiced all week. So why not just that. go with Higby? Uh, well, you got to add Higby, I, I think, in almost any league, just because you might. Higby would be more enticing. It will TV top 10 tight end. So if, if they rule knew. out Everett, if they rule out Everett on Sunday. And this is a late afternoon game, we should say. We're mentioning yep. it early in the show, but it's a. Four o'clock Eastern start. But. Yes. So if they rule out Everett, where would you rank Higby? Is he top five? <sighs> he's not Kelsey. And I Ertz, think right? Woods, you know, I th- no, Ertz no. Too, he's but. he's a tight end one in that. He's a top twelve option. <laughs> I don't see how that's he's it. not like. But that's okay. pretty pretty impressive for a Tyler Higby. But anyway, uh, Jared Goff though still on the bench. We won't get into that. And Todd Gurley. I'm going to give him an A in this one. Thirty one touches over the last two weeks. Practically a bell cow again. The Cardinals are top 12 in rushing yards allowed to running backs. And over the last four games, Arizona is allowing 10 catches and 88 yards per game through the air to running backs. With oh, two Todd Darrell isn't catching anymore this year. He finally was getting targeted in the passing game last year. But yeah, I, Last week. Yeah. Last week, sorry. Um, but it helped that they were down by a billion early. This is, the, this is probably the girly game of all girly games. This is going to be this game, even though he's... Kind of been hot lately. Anyway, over to the uh, Arizona side, who also has been hot is Kyler Murray. Uh, he totaled five touchdowns across two recent meetings with the 49ers. So Unreal. And uh, so Kyler Murray was getting drafted, what, six rounds before Lamar Jackson in the yeah, preseason? How about that? So we won't talk about that, but I think Lamar laid out a pretty nice blueprint mm-hmm. on how a mobile quarterback can uh, shred the Rams. So I'm going to give just a B for Murray, though, because I'm not in love with the pass catchers. Christian Kirk, Justice C, when healthy, Kirk has commanded 25% of the Cardinals' target share. Uh, but over the last two weeks, he's run 85% of his uh, routes from the boundaries, not the slot. Only yeah, interesting the that they've so, moved him out of, out of the slot. He'll still see a ton of Jalen Ramsey, who isn't as shut down as he has been, but still, Ramsey has not allowed a touchdown in his coverage this season. And Larry Fitzgerald, I have on the bench, uh, held under 50 yards in six of his last eight games, draws a tough match matchup in Nikhil Roby Coleman, who only allowed one touchdown this season, and that was to Chris Godwin in week four. So I got old Fitz on the bench, unfortunately. And Kenyon Drake, the only running back worth talking about on yep. this team, uh, has averaged over five yards per carry since the trade to Arizona. The Rams are good against the run. They've only allowed three running backs to top 100 rushing yards on the year. Christian McCaffrey in week one, Chris Carson in week five, and Mark Ingram last week. But the one correlation is all those running backs have very mobile quarterbacks, like Kenny That's Drake true. has with Kyler yeah. Murray. That's true. Uh, McCaffrey had Cam Newton in week one, not not Kyle Allen. Right. And the Rams have also conceded at least five catches and or a receiving touchdown to running backs in four straight. So I got a B on Kenyon Drake. All right. Sorry, that was very long. Yeah, I know. In fact, you know what? Let's sit. We normally do three matchups here. We're going to take a break instead. We'll uh, we'll push San Francisco-Baltimore into our next segment. San Francisco-Baltimore is a signature matchup with all kinds of intrigue uh, into that game. And we'll, we'll talk about that when uh, when we come back for our next segment. In the meantime, Everything Charge, that's me, is available at Fanball.com by going to Fanball.com slash charge. You get access to my free weekly rankings, my free $1,000 weekly contest. You get super flex salary cap contests, our podcasts, and a lot more. Again, that's Fanball.com slash charge. Coming up next, take a chance on me, nine players, not normally in our starting lineup. We'll tell you who they are when we come back. Fantasy Football Weekly.
This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. in your starting lineup, many of whom are available on the waiver wire. It is Take a Chance on Me, Fantasy Football Weekly. My co-host and I will provide three quarterbacks, three running backs, and three receivers who we believe are startable this week in unique situations for unique reasons, beginning with Brian Johnson at the quarterback position. After taking Mitch Trubisky last week, even though he had two touchdowns, total two touchdowns, I need a bit of a layup here. So I'm taking Jacksonville's Nick Foles at home versus the Bucks. It's quite simple. Tampa is allowing 42 pass attempts per game, the highest clip in the league. And prior to the Falcons game last week, the Bucks had allowed multiple passing touchdowns in eight straight games. In mm-hmm. five of those eight games, they allowed at least three passing touchdowns. Foles doesn't get it done, though. It's Gardner Minshew time. Again. I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's much. right. Back to Gardner Minshew. Oh, yeah. All right. Scott. Uh, I'm sticking with the Sam Darnold train. A, I gave him an A grade this week, actually. Has seven touchdowns in the last two weeks, mm-hmm. averaging over 300 yards in those. He's even tacked on a couple rushing touchdowns in the last three weeks. And the Bengals had given up multiple touchdowns and allowed an average of over 300 yards per game Ooh. in three games prior to holding on Dent Head and Duck Collar last week. <laughs> and he made out with a girl. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Way to go, Sammy boy. And I was more. upset, just one? I was like, come on, you had three I touchdowns. Got no kidding. After right. a win in New York? Come on. Just one? Yeah, in New York. Lame. If you go to Jersey, I, usually they come in a six-pack, right? I think they might send the Jets over to Hoboken to celebrate not Manhattan, though. <laughs> Andy Dalton was benched as the league leader in completions. How Bengals is that? Who now day? he's now now he's back and he gets the Jets. Now I know the Jets just shut down Derek Carr and I don't care. In the month prior to that, the Jets got rocked for 12 touchdowns by four guys who had been on the bench at some point this year. Gardner Minshew, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins. 12 touchdowns from those guys. 
Andy Dalton's the best quarterback out of this group. I fully expect a solid game from Andy Dalton. Let's go to the running back position. Brian. I got Green Bay's Jamal Williams at the Giants. Now, I'm going to mention Green Bay wide receivers in this very quickly. Since week five, this is seven games. A Green Bay Packer wide receiver has caught at least five passes only four times in the last seven games. It's Mm -hmm. been Devontae Adams three times and then Alan Lazard once. Jamal Williams is arguably the best receiver on that team outside of Devontae Adams. <laughs> and last week, uh, Williams saw eight targets to Aaron Jones's one. He actually outtouched Aaron Jones last week. And the Giants are one of four teams that haven't surrender, surrendered a receiving score to a running back, but they've allowed some big, uh, some massive ca- catch totals to the position. Minnesota running backs had seven catches. New England backs had 13. The Bears backs had 12 last week. So Jamal Williams is going to have a big game, and so is Aaron Rodgers. We'll talk about this more. Yeah, he will. Uh, he's my number three quarterback this week. Scott. Who is your take a chance of me running back? I'm going with Miles Sanders. It looks like Howard's going to be out again, and uh, mm-hmm. it's going to be the Sanders-Ajayi show, and Sanders outsnapped him by a ton last week. Sanders has at least three catches in seven of the last eight games, so he's going to get you some PPR points, and he's had at least 13 touches in those games, averaging over five yards per touch. The Dolphins, oof, they're not good. They're allowing second-most total yards per game to running backs, and also the most attempts and most rushing yards. It's a, just a smash spot for Sanders. The worst run defense in the NFL is the Carolina Panthers. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to take Darius Geis for a breakout game coming up here. Last week, he got more carries than Adrian Peterson and Wendell Smallwood, of course. But for Peterson, if you don't know, lingering knee and toe injuries have really hobbled him. He's been running at about two and a half yards per clip over the last couple of games. This is all setting up for the big breakout game for Darius Geis here. Running backs have scored in seven straight games against the Panthers. In their last five games, they've given up 10 running back touchdowns, 124 rushing yards per game, and five and a half yards per carry. If Geis is going to get the majority of the work, I love him in this matchup. Let's go to the receivers. Brian. You know I got to get grimy with a tight end. Always, Always with you. New York's. The New York football giants, I should say. Caden Smith, who might be Will Smith's son. I don't think think it is Will. Yeah, he's packed on some weight lately. Uh, Even Will Smith's son can do well against the Packers, who are allowing seven catches per game to tight ends over Mm. their last five games. Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, and Dallas Goddard alone have combined for five touchdowns. And no, Caden Smith is not any of those guys. But... Evan Engram ruled out. Rhett Ellison ruled out. Yeah. Golden Tate is out. out. We'll talk about this game more, but Caden Smith, five catches and a touchdown last week. I bet he That's repeats that performance this week as well. Okay. I'm going with Jack Doyle. I'm staying on the tight end uh, mm-hmm. boat here. Yeah, buddy. We, we got Eric Ebron now out for the season. Uh Hooper, Henry, Kelsey, Njoku all had great games uh, against, uh, well, I lost my train of thought here. Uh, against, against the Tennessee Titans, yes. yeah. Hmm. Uh, Indy tight ends have averaged 6.4 catches on 9.2 targets and nearly 70 yards per game when Hilton is limited or out. Yeah, and that's all Ebron this week. Um, it's a good when Doyle, you put Doyle and Ebron together, you've got tight end five in, their, in terms of their fantasy production. If Doyle's going to get all of Ebron's uh, production, and I think he's going to get most of it, I don't think. Uh, it's Molly Ali Cox. What is that guy's? Mo Ali Cox. Mo Ali Cox. Molly Ali Oxenfree. Yeah. Ali Ali Oxenfree. <laughs> I don't think Ali Ali Oxenfree is going to get a lot of got to get a lot of work suddenly in that offense. My take a chance on me receiver is an actual wide receiver, D.D. Westbrook. 
against Tampa Bay, the league's worst secondary by a mile. In the last five games, no team has surrendered more scores or fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. And Westbrook runs out of the slot, and that's really important here because Tampa's trolling out their fourth slot wide receiver. Now a guy named Mike Evans, a converted safety He's way too slow to hang with D.D. Westbrook, who's got 4-3 speed. And I think Westbrook mm. clicks for at least one long touchdown in this game. I like it. Thank you. Let's move on to some of our matchups, including San Francisco and Baltimore. A fascinating matchup between two great defenses and two offenses that generally fantasy owners can rely upon. Let's start with the San Francisco side. And I'm going to start with the running game here where Tevin Coleman just gets a C grade. He's averaged... Only 29 rushing yards and 26 receiving yards per game and scored just one touchdown over his last month of games. It's not been great for Tevin Coleman. And that's been with Matt Breida out, And by the way. And there's a chance Breida's going to play in this game or even a likelihood he plays in this game. And that just muddies the water, unfortunately, for him. Although you wouldn't want to start uh, Breida if, even if he does go. Who knows? Any play could be his last. It's worth uh, noting here that San Francisco used to be have the highest run percentage in the league for about the first half of the season. But that's really changed lately, and now they're down to the ninth highest on the season. So they're, they're really much more of an, a balanced offensive attack of late. The Ravens are the opponent. They've been victim to some garbage time rushing stats lately, but have still held their running backs to just 3.8 yards per carry and just two scores in the last six games. So that's why Tevin Coleman is just a grade here and we're not going to start Brita or Mostert those guys need much easier matchups let's go to the passing game where Jimmy Garoppolo gets a C grade he notched a career best passer rating of 145 against the Packers last time we saw him he's completed over 70 percent of his passes in four of the past five games which is downright breezy in magnitude mm-hmm. he's thrown multiple touchdowns in four of the past five games which is downright Mahomesian but the <laughs> Ravens have dominated opposing quarterbacks ever since they got Jimmy Smith back from injury and added in Marcus Peters they've been brutal since week nine they're allowing an average of just 208 passing yards and 0.5 touchdowns also known as half a touchdown per game yeah they're scary none of garoppolo's receivers have a positive matchup in this game let's talk about those now beginning with debo samuel who's been red hot since emmanuel sanders injury with 10 yards per catch but he'll most often face marcus peters who's been great and the ravens give up just 4.7 yards per pass attempt that's second lowest i think that takes the deep ball away from debo samuel he's just a c grade emmanuel sanders has not been the same since his rib injury and this is again a very tough matchup baltimore has only allowed one wide receiver score in the last five games he will see a lot of marlon humphrey who got hurt against the Rams, but came back into that game and should play here. And he just held Cooper Cup to 35 scoreless yards. So Emmanuel Sanders is on the bench in this one. The only other guy worth mentioning is George Kittle. He slumps to an unusual B grade here. (laughs) The Ravens have only allowed one tight end touchdown over the last six weeks and haven't allowed a tight end to top 34 yards during those six weeks. It's it's just this simple. The Ravens' defense is awesome. Mm -hmm. Now, let's go to the other side. And let's begin with the fantastic storyline of Lamar Jackson, who we'll talk about in a little more detail later on in this show. It is a testament to Lamar Jackson's ungodly fantasy prowess that he is still getting an A grade from me. In the face of all of this, the 49ers ranked number one against the pass. They ranked number three in passing touchdowns allowed. Lamar Jackson loves his tight ends. The Niners ranked number one in tight end yards allowed. Mm -hmm. 
They've given up one tight end touchdown since week two. Now. Who cares? Your one angle is San Francisco has allowed two 50-yard rushing performances in the last three weeks. And also, Brian. Who cares? Who cares? It's Lamar Jackson. It's Lamar Jackson. Then the rules just don't apply. I mean, the Patriots are a great defense, and uh, Lamar had two touchdowns and 69 yards rushing. Absolutely. So. I still have an A grade on Lamar Jackson. Mark Ingram also gets an A grade. Since his week eight bye, he's averaging 95 total yards and 1.3 touchdowns per game, despite getting 15 touches per game. And since week eight, opposing lead backs have averaged 116 total yards and almost a touchdown per game against the 49ers. So the 49ers' pass defense has remained very stout. Their run defense has been a, has been a little softer lately. So I think Mark Ingram, who's mostly performed in every game like all year stays as an A grade. A mm. couple other guys I want to mention. Mark Andrews it gets a B grade here. Andrews has scored three times over the past three weeks, but has only registered two catches in three of the last five. And that's always kind of the issue for him is volume because Lamar Jackson just doesn't pass that much. And then when he does, he passes to three different tight ends and his set of receivers. San Francisco is arguably the top tight end defense in the league, as I mentioned, outlined earlier. So Andrews just gets a B grade here. Marquise Brown scored twice last week, but this is a far tougher matchup. No wide receivers topped 88 yards against San Francisco since all the way back in week two. Brown spends 80% of his time running from the slot or right side of the field. That gives him brutal matchups with Kwan Williams and Richard Sherman. So just a C grade on Marquise Brown in this game. And that wraps up a tricky but fascinating game to watch on Sunday morning. Let's go to our next matchup, which is Philadelphia taking on Miami. Scott, for the Eagles, it sounds like they will maybe get Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar back, and it's against sounds Miami, like it. so there's a lot of temptation to play those guys. Yeah. What do you think? Oh, I'm I'm not playing Aguilar. I don't trust that he'll catch all the balls that get sent his way. Now Nelson Aguilar drops more balls than a hernia specialist. And, and also, he hasn't topped 42 yards or scored with Alshon on the field this year. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> uh, no thanks. Uh, when Alshon Jeffrey doesn't score, he's been pretty mo- mediocre this year. Um, it's it'd be real nice if he could play a team allowing the most touchdowns to wide receivers this year. That would be convenient, <laughs> including five in just the last two games in Miami. So I am giving Jeffrey a B a B grade as as Wentz's main guy. Who I'm giving a a soft A. Can I do that? Yeah, no, no. You can give uh, an A. How about an A? We just keep trying. I'm giving an A grade. All right. Among starting quarterbacks, only Sam Darnold in his first game back from mono and Brian Hoyer failed to toss multiple touchdown passes against wow. the Dolphins. Yep. So I, I think it's in the cards for uh, Wentz, who's now got Jeffrey and Aguilar back. And Wentz, it's it's looked bad for Wentz for a few weeks, but yeah. he's been playing without offensive linemen, without wide receivers, and here comes the Dolphins. Yeah. Man, I, I really hope he bounces back. And, and when he had Jeffrey and Aguilar early in the season, he had four straight multiple touchdown games. Mm-hmm. So uh, Ertz gets an A grade and Goddard gets a C grade because that offense really does funnel through the tight end. Uh, I think there's enough work for everyone against the Dolphins, though. Uh, my Miami's okay against the tight ends. They're they're pretty decent against tight ends. But since week and since week one, no tight end is top sixty yards against them. Mm-hmm. But it's Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard who are getting like twenty targets a game right now. I know. Um, uh, Ertz is the main target. He's top ninety yards in three straight, so that's why he gets the A. If Ertz doesn't go, Dallas Goddard could be oh, tight end one. It, oh yeah, this week. absolutely, absolutely. Ertz has been limited, but I think he does go. On on the other side, 
The only one I'm, I can start is Devon, is Devontae Parker. Sure. And he's been solid, very solid for quite, quite a while. Uh, a lot of people aren't realizing he's top 50 yards in all but two games this year. Mm. That's pretty good. Yeah. He has at least five grabs in five of the last six, has 10 or more targets in three straight. Uh, he scored in, in half of his last eight games, four of his last eight games. Devontae like, Parker, if, if we grade. said here's the receivers Devontae Parker's been better than for the last, like, six weeks or eight, two months, yeah. it would be like Julio Jones and Odell Beckham. And, yeah, it, it'd be crazy. I'm willing to bet he's scored more fantasy points than Saquon Barkley in the last month. Yeah, I I, I, I bet that's true, Devontae Parker. I bet Parker. it's true. Yeah. I, yeah, I should do that. But that's it. Yeah, okay. All just right. Parker for them. In that event? Let's start uh, thinking about next segment already when we're going to talk about Tampa Bay taking on Jacksonville and whether or not this is the big Ronald Jones breakout game. Did you know Fanball has daily fantasy auctions? It is true. We love auctioning in the preseason. You will love auctioning in real time against live opponents on Fanball. Give that a try. Fanball.com. Click on the auctions tab. Coming up next, Fantasy Football Weekly. As I mentioned, Tampa Bay Jacksonville. We'll tell you about Ronald Jones and whether or not this is shaping up as more of a Godwin blow-up game or the Evans blow-up game. They never happen in the same game. It's one or the other. We'll try to decipher that when we come back to Fantasy Football Weekly. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to Fantasy Football Weekly. I'm Paul Charchi, and my co-hosts are Scott Fish and Brian Johnson from Fanball.com. You can hear us over the air on many stations around the country. In fact, that might be you right now. And this show is also a podcast available every Friday on all major podcasting platforms, including the number one destination for podcasts, the iHeartRadio app. I'm very happy to say. Tampa Bay takes on Jacksonville, as I alluded to moments ago. Uh, Brian, Jacksonville's run defense is hot garbage. And Ronald Jones is getting all the work. Is this the breakout game for Ronald Jones? 
I think so. I got to be on him. Uh, and I do have, I'll get to give Peyton Barber to see just because you said that run defense for uh, Jacksonville has gone entirely south. But uh, I do like Jones a whole lot more. Over the last four games, he has 45 carries to Barber's 26. Mm-hmm. Jones has 17 targets to Barber's four. He's taken the, uh, the lead role in that backfield. But again, this is a great matchup for both. Over the Jaguars' last three games, opponent Opposing running backs have totaled 584 rushing yards in three and five games. rushing touchdowns in yeah. three games. That has produced six individual running backs who are top 24 worthy in almost any <laughs> fantasy format yeah. in three games. How about that? So they're both very startable, but you got to like Jones a lot more in this one. Peyton Barr has been dropped in many leagues, and mm-hmm. understandably, given the season he's had, and especially lately, he's a guy you could pick up and start in a pinch this week. In deeper leagues, for sure, definitely. Um, and you alluded to the Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, like who's who, um, based they already alternate just randomly, like who has the big game, and this time it's Mike Evans' turn. Based Mike Evans' turn based on that, but science also says this is a game for Evans because elite boundary receivers have done just fine against AJ Bouye, the lone standing cornerback uh, mm-hmm. after the Jalen Ramsey trade. Um, Cortland Sutton six catches, sixty-two yards, two touchdowns. DJ Moore had six for ninety-one. Michael Thomas eight for eighty-nine. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Hopkins eight for forty-eight and one. Even AJ Brown popped off against Jacksonville last week for four, one thirty-five, and a touchdown. So an A for Mike Evans. Just a B for Chris Godwin, though. He'll avoid Bouye in the slot. But that means he draws the better corner, at least for this season, in DJ Hayden, who hasn't allowed a touchdown in coverage all season long. And he held the very comparable Tyler Boyd to five catches for 55 yards on 14 targets. So just a B for Chris Godwin. No Tampa Bay tight end is worth mentioning. Finally, we're not even going to go there. I, by the way, and I, I was guilty of it. I bought into the O.J. Howard is dead to us. Let's go to Cameron Brait yeah. narrative. Oh, God, zero, zero catches last week. Sorry. Yeah, it's, he's too much of a roller, co- roller coaster boom bust option. So uh, Jameis Winston, though, not so much. Not an A-level grade, just a B, just because that run defense we mentioned is so bad for Jacksonville. They might funnel all of their offense through the run. Uh, but And the true talent of the team is at the wide receiver position, though, for Tampa Bay. And the Jaguars have allowed multiple passing scores in three of their last four games but the ceiling just isn't as high for Winston in this one, it feels. So just a B. Uh, over to the Jaguar side, just a B for Le- Leonard Fournette. He's been playing great as of late, but the Bucks have basically been the worst opponent for running backs when it comes to fantasy football. Only five running backs have registered double-digit PPR performances all year against Tampa Bay, but three of those backs had big games, and they were Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, and Todd Gurley. Leonard Fournette is certainly in that mix, so a B for him still, based on volume, but an A for DJ Chark, um, even though he's a bit of a role roller coaster ride as well. Yeah, been. Over the past five weeks, opposing wide receivers are averaging more than 16 catches, 200 yards, and two whole touchdowns per game against Tampa Bay. And needless to say, number one receivers have gone berserk, but there's been plenty of meat on the bone for the number two, and yep. that's why D.D. Westbrook was your take-a-chance-on-me wide receiver charge, mm-hmm. and Nick Foles was my take-a-chance-on-me quarterback. What about Chris Conley? I said Chris Conley. Did you? Oh, Chris Conley. Conley. Chris well, Con- you're the Chris Conley desk. I'm the desk. Chris Conley desk over here, and I'm telling you once again, and I've and I, he didn't have a blow-up game last week. He had like 60 yards. I should have uh, mentioned him. You're the, correct. I think he should get a C grade in this matchup. Chris Conley. Consider it done. Thank C you. for Chris Conley. Appreciate that. Let's go to Washington taking on Carolina. Not a lot to talk about on the Washington side, although Gary Darius Geis was my take a chance of me running back, and I love him in this game. If Adrian Peterson is active for the game, and I think he will be, um, he's got the knee and the ankle injuries and the toe injuries, um, but... 
the Panthers' run defense is so bad, as I articul- articulated earlier in talking about Darius Geis, that you can start Adrian Peterson here, too, in a pinch. The only other starting grade I've got is Terry McLaurin with a C. No touchdowns or 100-yard games since Dwayne Haskins took over. By the way, let's talk Dwayne Haskins. The, Reds- the Redskins are going to be burning another first-round draft pick on the quarterback position in five months, right? I mean, it's, you know, Dwayne Haskins is not the answer here. It, he looks to me like a backup caliber quarterback to my eyes to, to this point, unless something changes. Anyway, it could. He's still young, but I don't, I don't see a lot here. He's a Haskett case. That's not bad. I might remember that. Um, <laughs> McLaurin got 12 targets last week, which was a season high, and that part is promising. It's even more promising considering that the Panthers have allowed the second most yards and receptions per game to opposing receivers over the last five weeks. But you'll see a lot of cornerback James Bradbury, who usually travels with the opponent's best wide receiver. He's good, but he has also struggled lately giving up his first score of the year last week. And so I don't think it's an automatic shutout for uh, Terry McLaurin here. He's got a chance, and he gets a C grade. Let's go to Carolina. You know to start Christian McCaffrey. We won't even expand on that. Let's talk about the passing game, though. Kyle Allen, their quarterback, gets a C grade. Now, last week, after everybody, two weeks ago, well, I'll be back up three weeks ago, Kyle Allen played a great game, and we were talking about how Kyle Allen looked like he was sort of fitting into the mold of an NFL starting quarterback. Then two weeks ago, he looked terrible, and everybody dropped him, and he was the worst thing that ever happened. Then last week, when nobody in their right mind would have started him, he looks great again and gets a very good Saints defense. Now, I understand he's playing the Redskins, and by reputation, the two-win Redskins sounds like an easy opportunity for Kyle Allen and this passing game, but in reality, they've mostly handled their quarterbacks. Over Washington's last six games, only one quarterback has generated a viable fantasy start. The other five averaged 204 passing yards and 0.6 passing touchdowns. That's it. So Kyle Allen has just got a C grade here, and DJ Moore just has a B grade. He's topped 11 yards per reception in four straight. He continues to be a downfield factor. His matchup, though, is, is tricky this week. Washington has quietly been a top 10 defense against opposing receivers in terms of yards and receptions and touchdowns allowed over the last five weeks. And Moore runs runs most of his routes on the side of the field that Quinton Dunbar is on, and he's one of the better young cornerbacks in the league. So just a B grade on DJ Moore. Curtis Samuel gets a C grade because he's on the other side of the field where he gets, well, it was Josh Norman. Now it's rookie Jimmy Moreland. Now, Moreland had his first ever start last week. He allowed four of five passes in his coverage to be completed, and that's why Curtis Samuel is startable here. And lastly, Greg Olson, averaging more than five catches per game over the last four weeks, and Washington has given up three tight end touchdowns over their last two games, so he gets a C grade as well. We all need tight ends. We've talked about a lot of fantasy viable tight ends that are on the waiver wire so far already this week. That's because there's only, like, five truly viable tight ends worth holding on to all year yeah, That's probably true. Uh, let's go to our last matchup of this particular segment, which is the New York Jets taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. Those people who drafted Le'Veon Bell have been waiting a long, long time for a big payoff. Scott Fish, I think it's finally coming. Le'Veon Bell, a big game here. 
Yeah, I have him with an A grade here. Ten running backs have hit the 15-touch mark against the Bengals, and that's a really low bar for Le'Veon Bell. Is. 15 touches. Those ten backs averaged 113 yards and scored seven touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trend is in the right direction as well, as they just allowed uh, Josh Jacobs and Benny Snell over 100 yards in back-to-back games. And Bell also gets you that receiving work. He's averaging over 20 touches a game. Uh, in the passing game, I, I already gave Sam Darnold an A with my take on and I'm giving Robbie Anderson an A grade here as well. I'm a little worried about the Anderson-Crowder thing as I dug deeper. I'm still giving Crowder a C, but uh, when those two, when one of those two hit 35 yards receiving... Okay, the other one doesn't? The other one doesn't. Okay, so it's either or it's, from Sam It's Darn. always either or. In fact, uh, only once this season have both of them had more than eight fantasy uh, PPR points in the same game. Right. Only once. Wow. So you're only getting one or the other basically every game. So uh, I'm going with Anderson. I'm going with the deep target. Three deep target wide receivers against the Bengals uh, in recent weeks have topped 80 yards, and two of the three scored. And Anderson scored in back-to-back, so I'm giving it to him. Crowder generally gets a bunch, gets more targets and more receptions, so yeah. I'm still giving him the C grade. Maybe you can hope for an okay day. Uh, Ryan Griffin? I'm giving a B. He scored six touchdowns in his last seven games, and he plays 90% of the snaps. Mm. The Bengals have given up three touchdowns to tight ends in the last three weeks and three tight ends that went over 50 yards. Uh, And that's not counting the no-show, basically, from Vance McDonald. Um, On the other side... Andy Dalton was your take on you like him this week. I like I, do. I like Tyler Boyd because Dalton's back. Boyd averaged over six catches per game and over ten targets per game and nearly seventy yards per game with Dalton in at quarterback. Wow. He only scored once once, but he now matches up against uh, a team allowing the third most touchdowns to wide receivers in the NFL. Like him here. I'm benching Eifert. I'm sorry. No. He's he's topped thirty yards just once this season. No. He's uh, so, he doesn't even bear he doesn't not even bear mentioning I, yeah. his name anymore. Let, let's let's walk past that to, to Jill Mixon, who I think has a bad matchup here. Uh, I'm giving him a C grade because he's probably going to get the volume, but over the last five weeks, the Jets haven't allowed a single rushing touchdown, and only Leo Fournette was the was able to top 35 yards rushing. Wow. Jets' run defense is elite. 2.6 yards per carry over the last five weeks. Uh, his volume, his 15-plus touch volume is what might get him that C grade. Otherwise, it's it's rough. No, I, I, I have no problem just having a bench grade on Joe I Mixon thought about it, but bell cow running backs are just, I mean, guys that get that many touches. I don't know. He needs like, he had a 30-touch game a few weeks ago, and yeah. he did well there. If you told me Joe Mixon's get 30 touches, then I'm in. Yeah. That's probably what it would take. They need to use him more in the passing game. How can the Bengals not see how good he is in that area? Well, I answered my own question. Yeah, that this is the same team that benched the league leader in completions yeah. to go to their untested rookie. Right. David Montgomery scored on Thanksgiving. Chicago has the easiest running back schedule for the rest of the year. Mm. Brian, give me your thoughts on David Montgomery going forward. And whether whether or not you think he's going to be fantasy viable the rest of the way, given the easy schedule, given the fact that we got a touchdown out of him, there's no basically you know no other running back other than Tariq Cohen who gets a couple of, a couple of carries every now and again. What are your thoughts on David Montgomery going forward? Well, off the top of my head, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but you said it's favorable. Yes. I, b- banking on the fact that they cut Mike Davis a long time ago, not that he was ever a factor, even though he 
technically started the season for the Bears, took the first snap, and everyone was panicking. The uptick in uh, production, it, it took a dip for Montgomery uh, in previous weeks, but last week it was way up. And based on the favorable schedule, he cannot drop below a flex-worthy player, especially when you think about teams like the Bengals and who else is dead in the water. They're going to stop tr- trotting out. They're bell cows, I believe. You know, just give some scrubs some run. The Bears are still clinging yeah. to some playoff life. So they'll ride Montgomery. And, you know, there's a lot of tread on those tires because they weren't – he was getting misused for the most part early on in the year, which was basically not getting used whatsoever. So, yeah, I'd, I'd ride uh, Montgomery into the playoffs with some confidence. I've got a troubling stat on David Montgomery. Okay. Here are your bottom three running backs in yards after contact. Yards after contact tells me a lot about a running back. Mm-hmm. Bottom – Kalen Balaj goes without saying. Yeah. Second from the bottom, David Johnson. Mm. Third from the bottom, David Montgomery. Yeah. And it's looked like it. Too. It has. I mean, yeah. if you th- if you think about David Montgomery broken tackles, uh, he. I remember the preseason. What's insane is that was his forte in college. I know he was super. He was Pro Football Focus's most elusive running back last year. Yeah. They hit a little uh, harder than the NFL. They just had a little, a little faster. Pop, a little yeah, yeah, a little faster. <laughs> a little harder. It's just it's not the same. It isn't the same. Um, when we come back, let's answer three tough questions together. Why don't we? Me, you, the panel of experts. Let's. I'll, I will dole out three mind-bending questions. You try to go three and zero on Fantasy Football Weekly. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Football Weekly. I am Paul Charchian for Fanball.com. My co-hosts are Scott Fish and Brian Johnson. Now let's 
Roll up our sleeves with three tough questions. Guys, listeners, we encourage you to play along. Try to go 3-0. Tough and question number one. I got the wrong cheat and paper in front of me. Hold on. There we go. Let's, let's do this one. Tough question number one. Is Rashad Penny going to be this year's Ron Dane, a player who out of nowhere posts a monster playoff run, <clears throat> guiding his owners to a championship? Brian. Well, most playoffs start week 14, so I'll, I'll exclude the week this week's matchup with Minnesota, which is very tough for Seattle running backs. And looking forward from week 14, weeks 14 through 16, it's at mm-hmm. the Rams, at Panthers, and then the Cardinals at home. Uh, I talked about the Rams in the first segment. Only three running backs have topped 100 rushing yards against them all season, but one of them was Chris Carson, yeah. who, by the way, has been fumbling a lot, and that's the reason we're talking about Rashad Penny right now. Right. Um, and then at Carolina, week 15, primo matchup there. Mm-hmm. And Arizona, also very soft against the run, unlike years past. Now, Rashad Penny is not proven to not be soft because 14 carries last week was his career high. He had double-digit carries just three other times in his entire short two-year career. Mm-hmm. I'm not convinced he is a, a bell cow, bell cow caliber. Bell cow cowian, bell cowian cow caliber. Okay, Al now brown cow. Bell cow. Um, Chris Carson is outside of the fumbles, and he's still a better running back. So I just don't see the Seahawks riding Penny like a bell cow, even in this favorable schedule. So I'm going to say no, he is okay. not this year's Ron Dane. All right, Scott. Oh, I think it's possible. It happens every year. We've mentioned this on shows before. It happened with uh, Tim Hightower. It happened with, uh, as you mentioned, Ron Dane and mm-hmm. the C.J. Anderson last year. Yep. If Carson's fumbles continues, maybe the Rams in Week 14, uh, they've allowed 186 total yards per game, five touchdowns to running backs over the last three weeks. Panthers, you you mentioned earlier, they might just be the worst terrible. run defense in the NFL. They're terrible against the run. Uh, Cardinals Week 16, they're allowing a ton of uh, receiving game work to running backs, mm-hmm. and Penny's good in that area. It's possible. Weirdly, early in the season, before the season, I thought it was Jordan Wilkins. I thought Jordan Wilkins was going to be the guy to take over for Mac late in the season. Sure. Injury, whatever. Yeah. Now it's looking maybe it's, it's Jonathan, Jonathan Williams. Williams. Yeah. So I think Penny's a viable candidate. I think Jonathan Williams. So is that a, a yes? I'm going to go with yes. Rashad Penny can be that guy. The year was 2006. Ron Dane, a stone cold bust with the Giants and the Broncos, finds himself on the Texans. The Texans need him early in the season, and he starts three games for the Texans, and he's awful. And he gets benched for guys like Wally Lundy and Jameel Cook. Then, in Week 12, Ron Dane gets another chance. He pounds the Raiders for 95 yards, almost all of it in the second half. Some wise fantasy owners pick him up. Week 13, why, that's this very week of 2006. (laughs) Is 95 yards a pounding? That seems a little excessive. Then in Week 13... As the starter, he wasn't even the starter that game. Uh, Week 13, he's the starter, 99 yards and two scores for Ron Dane, powering his owners into the playoffs. Then, week 14, 101 yards and a touchdown for Ron Dane. Then week 15, the playoff bomb drops, 158 yards and two scores from Ron Dane in the playoffs of 2006. Mm. Now... Week 16, as it turns out, as a little reminder here, um, 
he actually injured his ankle in pregame warm-ups. <laughs> <laughs> and that didn't end up playing in that game. Oh, no. Yeah, which you don't hear that happen very often. And that was basically the end of it for Ron Dane for a career. He only played parts of one more season, and then that was it. But that was the run for Ron Dane. The Seahawks usually use one workhorse, and and you know, but not always. Last season, we saw Mike Davis get 112 carries. Rashad Penny got 85. Together, they got what Carson had, or very close to what Carson had. They can use... They can use multiple backs. And together with the fact that Carson has been a successful workhorse there, I think he's too good to be kicked to the curb completely, which is what would have to happen for Rashad Penny to go Ron Dane. The correct answer is no. Tough question number two. Should Matt Ryan's owners just drop him outright? Scott. No. No, I don't, I don't think so. I, <laughs> I mean, early in the season, he started the year with uh, six straight 300-yard games. Mm-hmm. Um, might have been seven straight. No, it was six straight. And uh, in five of those, he had multiple touchdowns. At the time, he got injured, much like you mentioned with Dalton earlier. He's yeah. leading the NFL in completions and attempts mm-hmm. when he got injured. Um, he had a little trouble there when he got back, and Atlanta's defense like started to step up. But Atlanta's defense is back to being Atlanta's defense over the last week or so. Yeah, and uh, Matt Ryan over the last couple of weeks, those attempts are back up. Forty six two weeks ago, fifty this last this just yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's going to get. He was averaging forty three attempts per game when he was leading the NFL. I think those attempts are going to stay in the forty to fifty range. I think he's going to need to throw, and I think he's got a lot of more multiple touchdown games coming coming up the stretch. All right, Brian, should Matt Ryan be dropped? I'm going to drop Matt Ryan in one quarterback leagues. Um, starting next week, he's got Carolina at home, then at San Francisco, and then Jacksonville at home. Starting with That's Carolina next week. Yeah. Carolina, that run defense is brutal. We've talked about the, brutal in a bad way. Mm. And Ryan had 3-11-1 in the first meeting between the Falcons and the Pan- Panthers. Respectable. But he had Austin Hooper and a healthy Julio Jones. Those two are not guaranteed to be healthy next week. And then at San Fran in Week 15, that's no an awful matchup. That's I'm like, tough. That's we're not tough. even getting to week 16 with Matt Ryan as your quarterback with the, those two upcoming opponents. So uh, Fish made some great points, but I'm still, it's not an easy decision, but I am dropping Matt Ryan. You know, it's in sheer volume. That's all Ryan really has going for him is sheer right, volume. Right. Now, the running game has been so bad, they have no choice but to pass. But to the points that we've made here, two of the next three teams up for the Falcons are horrible run defenses. And if if Ryan's not passing forty eight times, he threw fifty on Thanksgiving night. Mm-hmm. Then I don't know what I don't know what kind of value that he brings. I think you can find other quarterbacks with a better schedule, more reliable than Matt Ryan. I think it's okay to drop him. I think you can find other help. Tough question number three. Should Lamar Jackson be the first player? We, we're codifying a conversation from last week, by the way. We threw this out casually last week. Should Lamar Jackson, and then, by the way, he went berserk uh, after last week's show. Should Lamar Jackson be the first player taken in fantasy drafts next year? I want to preface this real quick with a revenge angle with L. Jacks. We should Wait, never overlook. The revenge duck making his first appearance of the show. So those who don't remember, in the 2018 draft, it was the, um, it'll be in this order, the Browns, Bills, uh, no, Browns, Jets, Bills, and Dolphins who passed on Lamar Jackson in favor well, of another quarterback. In favor of another quarterback, yes. yes. Yeah. So L. Jackson oh, and played, the Ravens, the Ravens also oh, and the Ravens too. But we won't, we won't factor that. So the, he's played the Browns twice and the Dolphins since then. Mm-hmm. 
In those three games, he has eight passing touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns. Wow. And he plays the Browns twice every year. <laughs> wait, just wait till he plays the Bills and the Jets, too. Yes. But anyway, L. Jax is breaking fantasy football right now. He is tied for the league lead in passing touchdowns with 24. The passing yardage is not there, but he is easily inside the top 10 quarterbacks right now. And when it comes to running the ball at 850-plus yards and six rushing touchdowns, he's easily a top 10 running back on standalone running numbers. So last week I said no way, first overall, first round maybe. But there's so much uncertainty. It's only Christian McCaffrey, right? That's the one guy you'd mm-hmm. contemplate. But he's a running back. And you know what? I'll get those guys later in the draft. I'm not going to get Lamar Jackson later in the draft. It's not Kyler Murray. It's not Josh Allen. I'm going 1-1 LJax. I don't think I'm going to be alone here. This, this is the this is the Vic argument from like 2004 2005. Only he's getting more rushing yards, and he's probably going to end with more touch, rushing touchdowns. And he's already got more passing yards. Uh, I I think it's very viable. I I had some of the stuff Brian said. I was going to mention how this is a little bit of a down year for quarterback scoring, and in, in comparison to historically, well, yeah, it's they're all hurt. Yeah, so so Jax is that far above everybody this year, so it makes it look even more absurd. But also my last. Last little point is fantasy is supposed to be fun. And honestly, there's there's nothing more fun than having Lamar Jackson or, as I think he should start being called, Insta-Win. I believe Brian has called him that before. <laughs> uh, start calling him that because it, it's just fun to have him on your team. So with everything Brian said and that, yes. You know, sure, why not? I'm always nervous about taking running backs early anyway. You guys know yeah. how I feel about that. Yeah. The, remember, going into this last draft, there were four guys yeah. that were the lock four running backs. Three of the four have disappointed and yeah. pretty significantly this year. Only Christian McCaffrey has lived up to the billing, and mostly Christian McCaffrey was not being the first player taken. It was mostly Saquon Barkley or Alvin Kamara or Ezekiel Elliott. Um you guys already hit on a lot of my talking points, but I want to mention one thing that's different compared to him and Mike Vick or Cam Newton or, for old-timers, Cordell Stewart. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Jackson gets designed runs. These other quarterbacks were mostly scrambling, and they would scramble for a seven-touchdown season or a six-touchdown season or an eight-touchdown rushing season, right? And then the next year, because these weren't designed runs— they would have two touchdowns on the ground or three touchdowns on the ground, and that destroyed their fantasy value. That's not the case for Lamar Jackson. It's the design, the fact that he's running designed runs all the time that makes him impervious virtually to these bad games because if his legs don't do it, the arm does. And he doesn't have to get it by happenstance, by you know getting into trouble and then scrambling and then maybe or maybe not scoring touchdowns. And his Pass catchers aren't adapting because they're all coming up together. Like his tight ends and wide receivers are all drafted within the last two to three years. It's like this whole thing is just yeah. It's 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 scary to watch in a fun way. Oh, it's so much fun. Correct answer. Yes, I think. In fact, I think there's. I think it's going to be a universal consensus almost mm. that Lamar Jackson by next August will be pick one one and McCaffrey will be pick one two. So. It, in an auction, you have to be the first one to just max bid to get Lamar Jackson. <laughs> it's going to sound it's like... Not gonna, I don't think it's not going to be that there. crazy. I don't think it's be that you never crazy. know. You never know. I don't know. But that's that's some of the stuff that'll be fun to talk about on this show come next August. Um, let's work in one more matchup. Green Bay takes on the New York Giants. Brian, for Aaron Rodgers, in his three good games this year, he has been quarterback one. In his eight 
other games, he's been quarterback 37. There's only 32 teams, Brian. Is this going to be the great game for Aaron Rodgers, or is this going to be the dismal game for Aaron Rodgers? It has to be a great game for Aaron Rodgers. i got to give him an A, considering the Giants have conceded seven straight top ten finishes to opposing quarterbacks. The only two quarterbacks who failed to total multiple touchdowns all season were rookies Dwayne Haskins and Kyler Murray, giving Rodgers an A. But the only other pass catcher that gets an A for me is Devontae Adams. The Giants have allowed the third most touchdowns to wide receivers, and comparable receivers have blown up against the G-men. Amari Cooper, 106-1, and and then had 80 yards and a touchdown in the second game. Mike Evans, 190 and 3. Kenny Galladay, 123 and 2. Then Allen Robinson recently, 131 and 1. I'm giving Devontae the A. He's my number one ranked wide receiver this week. It will be his first touchdown of the year. He'll score on Sunday. Unbelievable. Imagine having him, Mike Williams, and Robert Woods as your starting three wide receiver. That's hey, zero Robert, touchdowns. Receiving, Robert Woods ran one in earlier. Oh, okay. You got he me ran there. one in. You got me there. Um, Alan Lazard, I was close to using as my take-home wide receiver. You can throw a dart with him, but I mentioned in the last seven games, a Green Bay wide receiver has hit five catches. Once. Like four, it's, it's awful. Something like that. But uh, I, I like the well, I like Jamal Williams more out of the running backs. Let me get to Aaron Jones. going to give him a C. And by the way, Jimmy Graham, dead. Didn't do anything on his birthday. Dead to me. Aaron <laughs> Jones in a good matchup, too. Aaron Jones, well, it wasn't that good, but it was his birthday. But Aaron Jones, C, just a C. I want, I'll just say C's charge, don't worry. Was outtouched 18-13 to 13 by Jamal Williams last week. Hasn't topped 13 carries no. since the Dallas game in Week 5. And making matters worse outside of the misusage, uh, the Packers lost starting right tackle Brian Bulaga to a sprained MCL. And since the Giants acquired uh, defensive tackle Leonard Williams, their run defense has it's been, been a lot pretty better. stout. Over yeah. the last two games, they're barely allowing over two yards per carry. Hmm. So just to see for Jones, but I like Jamal Williams in the pass game here. I think he outside of, he could be the top receiver on the team this week uh, outside of Devontae Adams or even better than Adams. Now, Aaron Jones had that massive blow-up receiving game like a month ago. Oh, is it Arizona? I'm trying to, I don't remember who they were playing. Um, and then since then, they, they don't even throw to him anymore. He, he, he looked like he was, the, he was the second coming of Marshall Falk out of the backfield. And now the Packers don't even throw him. Throw at him. It's just, it's yeah, crazy. in Taycom, it was eight targets for Even though they were getting blown out last week, Green Bay and San Fran, yeah, eight mm-hmm. targets for Williams, one for Jones. It's just yeah. gross. The floor is just Jones dang, with If everyone. you can tell I'm extra bitter, he ended my guillotine league run. I got knocked out of my guillotine league last week in no small part because of Aaron Rodgers do, or Aaron Jones doing nothing. Brutal. Jerk. You know who's been knocked out of guillotine leagues plenty of times is anyone that's had Saquon Barkley on the oh, roster over man. the last six games, held under 75 yards for six straight now, rushing yards, that is. One touchdown during that span. This has to be a get-right game, though, for Saquon. According to Football Outsiders, Green Bay is ranked 28th against the run, and they have yielded the third most red zone touches to running backs in goal-to-go scenarios. So I'm going to give Barkley an A. But, man, you can almost sabotage a drop. <laughs> Does it come through in this game? Maybe we'll talk about that next week. Hopefully not. We won't talk about Golden Tate a whole lot. He's been ruled out with the concussion. Sterling Shepard in. Going to give him the B. Should run the slot. He will now because Tate has been ruled out. And he had success in the slot in Daniel Jones' first two starts when Tate was still on suspension. Yeah. Uh, Shepard had seven for 101 and then seven for 76 in his two games manning the slot alone. But not an ideal matchup for slot receivers. Tremont Williams is legit and held Keenan Allen to just three catches for 40 yards a few weeks ago. So just a C for Shepard. I'm torn on Darius Slayton, but I'm going to put him on the bench. Uh, Green Bay yielding the second fewest targets to wide receivers, so not enough volume there for me with him. 
I mentioned in Takeom, Evan Ingram's ruled out. Rhett Ellison, the backup, ruled out. That made Caden Smith might take a chance on me receiver. Tight end eligible if you're desperate out there. But in, uh, lastly, Daniel Jones on the bench for me in this one. The Packers are yielding under 31 pass attempts per game. That is not a lot at all. And even though Green Bay has allowed multiple passing scores in three of their last five, I cannot trust Daniel Jones, especially without Golden Tate and Evan Ingram. Did you know every week you can play the Crush Charge Championship for free at Fanball.com? When you assemble a better salary cap team than mine, you get a shot at this week's prize pool of $1,000. But more importantly, beating me is the only way to get an entry into our Week 17 Championship where you will battle me for the $10,000 prize pool. Fanball.com slash charge to enter the Crush Charge Championship. We'll be back in moments. We'll talk about Oakland taking on Kansas City. An absolute dud for Derek Carr in an easy matchup last week. Do we like him any better this week against Kansas City? Find out when we come back to Fantasy Football Weekly. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fantasy Football Weekly returns, and we're diving back into matchups. I'm Paul Churchian. But first, did you know you can play Superflex Salary Cap at Fanball.com if you love starting two quarterbacks? Or the Brian Johnson special, four tight ends. Go to fanball.com, play our salary cap DFS Superflex salary cap. Most importantly, just no defense. It's, no defense. You're always toiling over what defense to start in daily fantasy is the worst. It's kind of true. Oakland takes on Kansas City, guys. Easy A for Josh Jacobs. The Chiefs allow the second most rushing yards to opposing running backs on a league worst five yards per carry. Josh Jacobs potentially sitting on a gigantic game here. Um, and really, they're even worse than that. Over the last four games, running backs are averaging 30 touches for 213 yards and 1.8 touchdowns per game against the Chiefs. So Jacobs had a brutal matchup last week, bounces back here with a very nice game, I believe. Let's go to the passing game. Derek Carr inexplicably blanked last week. Has been a 
other than that, has mostly been a very safe starter this year. And Kansas City sees an average of 36 passes per game. So maybe volume alone will get Derek Carr to some fantasy viability here. The Chiefs' secondary has improved. But over the last month, every opposing quarterback has scored, and they've all topped 300 yards and or thrown multiple touchdowns. Mm. So I think Carr gets his, gets close to 300 here. I want to believe so anyway. Tyro Williams, super disappointing. Had those five straight touchdown games to start the season hasn't and is now not scored for a month he's averaging just 43 yards on three catches over the last month uh he'll be tested against cornerback charvarius ward who's improved dramatically and is yielding just 70 uh pass rating of just 72 in his coverage and has not allowed a score since week number four so he's just got a c grade Darren Waller only has a C grade as well. The Chiefs have allowed seven receptions to opposing tight ends each of the last three weeks to go along with a pair of scores. And Waller had six catches in the first meeting, so I like him here. The problem, of course, is everybody knows, and I think in particular Brian Johnson has been chagrined by the lack of touchdowns for Darren Waller. Mm-hmm. Fabian Moreau's got more touchdowns than he does on the season, I believe. Yep. Yeah, that's super disappointing. It just uh, He's found the end zone in only two Foster, games all way. year. Fabian Moreau's sure. the cornerback. Foster. Yeah, you're right. Fabian Moreau's the cornerback for the Redskins. Yeah, Foster. Foster Moreau. F. Moreau. They, that's are all, they brothers? F. Moreau. That's all that matters. No, We're, serious question. Are those guys related? I, I mean, normally a tight end and a cornerback do not have the same DNA, right? To well, be built but, to have, you know, for those positions. What you usually get is a Travis Kelsey and a J- was it Jason? Right? Both big yeah. bodied guy, Jason Kelsey. Uh, right. So the, the tight end brother would be the bully in that uh, brotherhood, oh, I believe. Oh God, yeah. Just he was the guy the pinning down yeah. the the <laughs> fa- wait, Foster was pinning down Fabian Moreau and farting in his face. Because that's what older brothers do to younger brothers, right? Yeah. yeah you would know. Let's go to the uh, Kansas City side of this. For Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, they are all obvious A grades. And we're not going to spend much time on any of those three. Since week three, non-Finley quarterbacks have averaged 302 passing yards and three touchdowns against Oakland. Travis Kelsey has a great opportunity against a Raiders defense that's allowed the second most tight end scores. Eight of them. Who else do we like besides Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey? Sammy Watkins logs in with a C grade in kind of a if-not-now-when kind of game for Sammy Watkins. He averages eight targets over the last month. He's turned eight targets into 43 yards per game. That's it. And by the way, scoreless yards per game. Um, Listener to the show Tom Roller told me today, Sammy Watkins and his scoring system has as many points in week one as he's got the entire rest of the year. I was just going to make that assumption that he probably has outscored non-week one games in week one. Yes. Unreal. The ultimate high sell moment that no one took advantage <laughs> of. <laughs> was right then. Because who? nobody wanted to give up on Sammy Watkins after no, that. No, like, with Hill getting Patrick hurt. Patrick Mahomes yeah. and Hill's out, nope. right? So nobody wanted to give him up right then. Um, Watkins, though, is a nice matchup against cornerback Nevin Lawson. In five games, Lawson has surrendered a massive 130 passer rating in his coverage, and he also allowed a touchdown last week. So Sammy Watkins gets a C here. Let's go to the running backs for the Chiefs. Damian Williams has been ruled out, and that brings both LaShawn McCoy and Daryl Williams up to C grades here. I think McCoy's going to get the majority of work, but we will see Daryl Williams as well. McCoy, over the last uh, three games, Oakland, Oakland's opposing running backs have have averaged 163 total yards on a touchdown per game. If we're going to split 163 total yards on a touchdown per game between McCoy and Williams, they're they're both C grades. So we sure. 80 yards and half a touchdown out of each. A coin flips chance at a touchdown out of each. That sounds like a C grade for Williams and McCoy. 
And in their three games without uh, Damian Williams, their split is almost exact. Yeah. Touch-wise. Yeah, touch-wise. That yeah. sounds right. Um, we don't have any answers. I saw you typing furiously to get to the bottom of our Moreau brothers. Can't, can't we don't know. Anything. We cannot identify. I, I now, don't think they are just because I can't find anything. So. That's probably true. If they were, they, you would probably know. Right. Although maybe. Same mother, different father. Yeah. Can't rule that. You can't rule that out. We don't know. And maybe they're not talking about that. Tennessee. The same last. Uh, Maybe. I'm going to dive deeper while Fish does his matchup. All right, good. If you can get to some 23 me on the uh, Moros, that would be fantastic. (laughs) Send them each a kit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, quickly. Tennessee takes on Indianapolis. Scott, Derek Henry has been amazing. And it's starting to feel a lot like last year where Derrick Henry pounded the opponent, December opponents into submission. I think we may see some more of that here. What do you think about Derrick Henry as he travels to Indianapolis? Yeah, you, you can't. Uh, he's. I don't even know that he's worth talking about anymore. He's just. You can't no, just, bench him. He's started. an A grade. He's yeah. twenty plus touches. He's, you know, one hundred and fifty plus yards in two straight, averaging like eight yards a carry, two touchdowns each the last two. No, it doesn't matter who he plays. You can't bench him at this point anymore. Right. Uh, on to Tannehill and the passing game. Tannehill's been really good too. Mm-hmm. Heck, he of, heck of a trade there for yeah. the for the for the Titans uh, with Miami there. Tannehill has 13 touches in his five starts since taking over mm-hmm. and he's QB3 in that stretch over wow. the last 5 weeks, which is which is crazy. Uh, he gets a Colts defense who has allowed nearly 300 yards and two scores to Nick Foles and Deshaun Watson in each of the last 2 weeks. Uh, only Joe Flacco failed to score a touchdown on the Colts and wow. was benched the following game. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You're so bad you can't throw a touchdown pass on the Colts. You're benched. And people forget Tannehill was a converted wide receiver from college, yep, too. So yep, he yeah. might just be hitting his stride. You never know. <laughs> it took five years. As a receiver? Six years. No. Uh, uh, Brown is the guy I like more than Davis. Corey Davis has topped 50 yards just once and scored just once oh, with Tannehill nice. under center. As good as Tannehill has been and as many fantasy points as he's generating, yeah. None of it going to Corey Davis. No, no. A.J. Brown's getting it, though, because he's had 60 yards and or scored in four of the five with Tannehill. Mm-hmm. Uh, top 50 yards three three times, scored twice. I give him... I'm giving him a B grade. I do have Humphreys on the bench, though. Keenan Allen was the only slot guy to top 50 yards against the Colts in mm. 11 games. Wow. That's that's crazy. And Humphreys has only topped that twice in his 11 games. So he's, he's on the bench. Uh, I have Jonu on the bench. Walker being on IR made me think about it for just a second, but uh, they're just not passing the tight ends. Uh, they're not completing enough passes to the tight ends. He's targeting him six to seven times, but um, it's just not there on the other side uh you know ty hilton out is making me bench basically the whole passing game yeah you, you know i think zach pascal had no. one good game he did that's uh right. with hilton out but that that puts the benching well the don't forget game. jack doyle well yeah i was gonna get to it if i'm starting anyone it's jack doyle uh he i'm probably downgrading him from a b to a c i had him as a b with hilton in, and now yeah. i think it's more of a c i think that offense is gonna be tough to run but I think they're going to run it through Williams. Uh, he'll have a little tougher time, but the Titans have allowed three straight lead backs over 100 yards. Williams has two straight over 100 yards, and they really like him. They're getting him, giving him 20, to- 20 touches. Yeah, so, no kidding. Yeah, I'm giving him a B grade. All right. That was an easy one. I think it's still the case that the Colts have not won a game since drafting T.Y. Hilton when T.Y. Hilton did not play. Every wow, game. really? Yeah, that was because they lost last week. I read that very re- so I think that that still okay. holds true. Yep. All right. Uh Chargers take on the Denver Broncos final matchup of this segment. Uh for the Chargers, 
This has been a passing game that has been largely very bad and very inconsistent, and now they get a good Denver secondary. Do you dare start Phillip Rivers and members of this passing offense, Brian? I'll, I'll, I'll dive into his receivers, and we'll get to Rivers and whether I'd start him or not, but it's not off to a good start with Keenan Allen, mm-hmm. who had four catches for 18 yards when these teams first met this season, has been held under 75 yards in his last three games in Denver where this Ooh. game is getting played. So just a C for Keenan Allen. Mike Williams, you know, I just want to give him a C just because he's so due. Right, has yeah, not oh, scored well, all season. He's been doing his whole, whole career. Overdue. He had six catches for seventy-four yards in the Week Five game. Okay, that's startable. That's at yeah. least sea level yes, type production. Five for sixty-five and a touchdown last year in Denver. That's, Probably a tougher that's, that's a matchup last year. That, yeah, definitely a B. So I'm just going to give him a C and hopefully alter the universe and get him in the end zone. So right. a C for Mike Williams, kind of a gut shot call. But what are you going to do, Hunter Henry? Uh, almost a C for him, but I'm going to give him a B just because he is one of the elite tight ends in the league. Outside of Herb Smith and Kyle Rudolph, who each caught a touchdown in the Week 11 second-half epic meltdown by the Broncos, mm-hmm. yeah. Denver had not allowed, or they had allowed just one touchdown to tight ends, and uh, that came in Week 4. Uh, Henry is averaging eight targets per game since returning from injury, so I will give him a B here. I was going to mention his past performance, but he hasn't played Denver since October of 2017, so no point in that, really. Yeah. And then Phillip Rivers, though, even though three starting grades for his pass catchers, that doesn't mean they're all going to produce. It just means they all have the potential to produce. I got Rivers on the bench. The Broncos have selected surrendered multiple passing touchdowns in consecutive games, but Josh Allen only threw 185 yards, and then the other game was that epic second-half collapse in Minneapolis that was here in Minneapolis that is basically an anomaly. Before those two games, Denver had allowed just one quarterback to top one passing touchdown all year, and only two quarterbacks managed to top 250 passing yards, so Rivers on the bench. Mm -hmm. Melvin Gordon not on the bench and give him a B. Averaging 20 touches, 20 plus touches over the last three games. Bell cow status is back. Not an ideal matchup, though. Denver is ranked top 10 against the run by football outsiders. And outside of Leo Fournette's 225 yard outburst against the Broncos, only one other running back has topped 90 yards against mm. Denver. It was Devin Singletary against the Bills last week. Real quick, guess how many touchdowns Melvin Gordon, Melvin Gordon has rushed for against the Broncos in his career? I'm going to guess. Well, it's obviously a lot or a little. Um, it would probably, be about six or seven, seven ga- six or seven games. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's probably well. Yeah, it's probably been about seven games. I'm going to guess like one, two, close zero, zero, oh, zero okay. rushing touchdowns. Okay. One total touchdown caught a touchdown. The last time he topped seventy rushing yards against the Broncos was October 30th, 2016. Jeez, but still going to give Gordon a B for whatever reason. But uh, and then Austin Eckler, when these teams met in Week Five. He had 15 catches for 86 yeah, receiving that? yards. That, was <laughs> that won't happen again. No, that was Gordon's, Gordon's first, first game, game back, back, by the way. Yeah. Um, and outside of that game, only two lone backs have managed to top three catches against the Broncos. And Denver has only surrendered uh, has a surrendered one receiving score to the position since week four. Uh, so, yeah, just, I'll give Eckler a C in PPR, but just barely. Uh, over to the Denver side. This will be quick. Cortland Sutton. Going to give him a C. Might give him a B if he actually had a quarterback. He had four catches, 92 yards, and a touchdown in the first game. The Chargers, though, are likely to get back all-world safety Derwin James, who has not oh, played yeah. all season He's long. He's so good. He is good. And well, will he be good in his first game back? Or he, will he be rusty? He'll be a little rusty, but even without James, um, 
I was going to call them San Diego. I can still not used to call them L.A. I know. Los Angeles was already clamping down on opposing wide receivers. Over their last four games, they had not surrendered a score to the position, and no wideout has even hit the 70 receiving yard mark in those four games. So just to see for Sutton, not going to mention any other wide receivers for the Broncos with Brandon Allen as the quarterback. I will mention Noah Fant. I- do do we think Brandon Allen's going to start this game? I heard Drew Locke might, but I and Drew Locke's been taking first team snaps this week. This week could go either way. Either either way, either way, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I, I just want to get your opinion. no, no. Yeah, uh, you should. Thank you for bringing that up. It is worth mentioning for sure. But yeah, they're both not uh, going to have very. Brandon good game. Allen's really bad, and you know who's not going to have a good game is Noah Fant. Even though he's been a target hog since the Manny Sanders trade, if Derwin James comes back, that bodes even worse for Fant. By the way, the Chargers allowed the third. Fewest PPR points per target last season with a help, healthy Derwin James. I have to thank Mike Tagliere for that stat. But even without James, it's been a bad matchup for tight ends since week four. LA, the LA Chargers, have only allowed one tight end touchdown, and it went to Travis Kelsey. Recently, they also limited Darren Waller to three catches for 40 yards mm. in week 10, so I got Fant on the bench. Go grab Caden Smith or Tyler Higby. Much better options this week. And Brandon Allen on the bench. Philip Lindsay, though, in A, has outtouched Royce Freeman 32-13 to over the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. When Lindsay had 147 combo yards and a touchdown in the first meeting, Royce Freeman stole 15 touches in that game. Yeah, right. yeah. Give those touches to Philip Lindsay, and we got an A. Uh, the Chargers have allowed at least one running back touchdown in seven straight games. Our final set of matchups are coming up next, and our final premature speculation of the year also coming up next. I figured one out. You've, figured, I got one. All right, good. You've got a premature speculation ready to go. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, you'll, you'll get three of them coming at you. These are players that you'll want to pick up this week that everybody else is going to be trying to pick up next week, courtesy of the Fantasy Football Weekly Time Machine right there. Fantasy Football Weekly returning in moments. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Weekly. Premature speculation might be the most popular segment on this show. It's just one we give you guys we think you should pick up this week that other people will be trying to pick up next week, but they're already on your team. We begin with Brian Johnson. Who's hitting the time machine for you? This is more like who you'll be picking up next season because I got a little bit of a Dynasty Empire angle. See, this is where I thought we were going to, so I also did that. <laughs> Which you should be playing on SafeLeagues.com, by the way, but it's Dallas's Blake Jarwin, tight end. Obviously, he's been sharing time with Jason Witten all season, the decrepit old Jason Witten, even though he had a good game last week, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dallas tight ends are averaging six catches, 57 yards, and exactly one half of a touchdown per game. Jarwin has scored half of the Cowboys' tight end touchdowns. Remove Witten from the equation next year, and you got a top-ten tight end in Blake Jarwin. All right. So mine is going to be Andy Isabella. Larry Fitzgerald might be playing his last season. We don't know yet, but Andy yeah. Isabella is going to grow with Kyler Murray. Uh, his snaps have been ticking up. He has 75-plus yards in two of the last three weeks. Uh, and come next week, maybe you're in a league where you can drop your kicker or defense and pick up one of those speculative guys because uh, you'll be done playing for the season if you're not a contender. That could be. So Andy Isabella, throw him on your roster. Um the player with the easiest remaining schedule at tight end, or the team, I guess, with the easiest remaining schedule, is Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Who's coming back? David and Joku. Yep. David and Joku's coming back. They get Cincinnati, Arizona, and then Baltimore. And actually, Baltimore is the one thing they're not awesome at is against the tight end. So Cincinnati, Arizona, Baltimore, you could be starting. David and Joku probably comes back this week. You let him knock the rust off this week. And then you pick him up for that Cincinnati, Arizona games. And now you've got somebody, you've got a startable tight end when most of the time, most of us don't have a starting tight end. It's a wasteland. It is a bit of a wasteland out there, for sure. Uh, The Monday night game, we're going to do Monday night and then Sunday night. The Monday night game is Minnesota taking on Seattle. And this one is a little bit thorny because of the Adam Thielen situation. He did not really practice and meaningfully uh, all week leading up to this game. He will probably be a true game time decision. And if you you don't know otherwise, I think you're you're probably in a very tight spot with him. If you had to pivot from Thielen, you could go to Josh Gordon, who I'll talk about later, who's got a startable grade. Ola B.C. Johnson would be his primary backup and would play his role in the offense. You could try him if you wanted to. If Thielen does go, it's a great matchup because the Seahawks are in great flux at the slot cornerback position because they waived Jamar Taylor and they used backup um, uh, Akeem King in that position last week. Akeem King has allowed every single throw in his coverage this year to be completed. So if wow. Thielen's able to go, it's a pretty strong matchup for him. And I would have a – I got to factor in the possibility that he has a setback into his grade. It w- I'll give him a C grade because of the setback scare. Uh, but if he doesn't have the setback, if you could tell me he wouldn't have a setback, I'd give him a much higher grade and probably an A grade. Now, for Stefan Diggs on the other side, he is an all-or-nothing guy in these games when Thielen doesn't play. I think he's got a nice matchup here, though, because you'll mostly see Trey Flowers. He's a converted safety. He's on the slower, bigger side among cornerbacks. And Diggs is so slippery. I think Diggs can squirm his way free for potentially a very good game here. And I've got a B grade on Diggs. But I'll note that he does have these games where he just disappears when when Thielen doesn't play. If teams just decide to take him away at all costs, that could be the end of Diggs. He doesn't usually break those kind of games up. While we're staying with the passing game, let's mention Kirk Cousins. I I like him, obviously, a lot more with Adam Thielen. He gets a B grade with Thielen. He gets a C grade without Thielen. Over the last seven games, Kirk has averaged 290 yards and 2.6 touchdowns, which is great. He's thrown multiple touchdowns in six of the past seven games. 
Seattle secondary, though, is improving quite a bit, um, and they're, they're actually pretty good at this stage, but Cousins just got done beating two solid defenses in Dallas and Denver, so I wouldn't necessarily rule that out. From week four forward, Seattle's allowing less than one touchdown pass per game. That's it. Are you buying into the primetime narrative still where Kirk... Nice. Struggles in prime time. I mean, just you just beat Dallas in prime time two two games ago. I was just so asking. I'm, I, I, I'm not. Uh, Kurt, for Kyle Rudolph, on fire with five touchdowns over his last five games. The Seahawks have been one of the worst tight end defenses. They rank bottom five in tight end receptions and yards allowed, and they just allowed 19 receptions to the Eagles tight ends last week. 19. So Kyle Rudolph gets a C grade in this one too. Let's go to the Seattle side. Easy A grade for Russell Wilson. Uh, his peers that have faced the Vikings have been really effective. Dak Prescott, Matthew Stafford, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, good quarterbacks like Russell Wilson. They averaged 316 yards and 2.6 touchdowns against Minnesota. He's got strong matchups all over the field. A grade for him and an A grade for his two starting receivers, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. Minnesota's a bottom five secondary in yards and receptions and touchdowns allowed to wide receivers over the last five weeks. And Tyler Lockett will mostly get Mackenzie Alexander out of the slot. He's been their best cornerback, but that is not a high bar to clear. And he's still allowing 75% of the passes in his coverage to be completed. So Tyler Lockett gets an A. DK Metcalf, big-bodied receivers like Metcalf almost always get extensive coverage by Xavier Rhodes. And that is a green light for DK Metcalf. (laughs) Rhodes is playing at the lowest level of his career, allowing 86% of the passes in his coverage to be completed. He ranks 110th among cornerbacks by pro football focus, Xavier Rhodes. Not good. Ex-Xavier, as he likes to call himself now. Um, Even Josh Gordon is in the mix for many of these same reasons. He would draw Trey Waynes also on a down year. He gets a C grade. Jacob Hollister, their tight end, is also startable with a B grade. Minnesota's the most targeted team for tight ends at 10 per game, and they're 29th in tight end receptions allowed. They did give up just their first tight end touchdown of the season uh, last week to something called Troy Fumagalli. Hollister averaging almost seven targets per game, so he's very safe in this one as well, even if he doesn't get the score. And that brings us to the fascinating part of this matchup between the Vikings and the Seahawks, and that's at the running back position, where I've got C grades on both Chris Carson and Rashad Penny. For Carson, he had the two fumbles last week and then basically didn't see the field again, and Penny ran like crazy. We don't know what the plan is for the Seahawks on this, but we're either case, the Vikings are a good run defense whether or not Linval Joseph comes back, and his status is up in the air as well. He's their run-stuffing defensive lineman, but they haven't even missed him. In the two games he missed, they bottled up Ezekiel Elliott and Philip Lindsay. So uh, the only two runners that have done only two runners have done anything against the Vikings all year, and one of them needed a 91-yard run to get there. Yeah. So I've got Carson and Penny just on C grades, and you're rolling the dice on the usage on both of those guys. Let's get to our final matchup here, which is the Sunday nighter, New England taking on Houston. Yeah, so Tom Brady has not been great recently. Over the last five games, he's averaging 239 yards, and he's throwing just five touchdowns. Wow. But the Texans are allowing three or more passing touchdowns in five of the last seven, and it's it's just a good matchup. It feels <laughs> so, like a get-right matchup yeah, for Tom Brady. Yeah, it feels Brady. like a get-right matchup. Uh, so I gave him a B grade. I'm giving Edelman an A grade, 10-plus targets in six straight. He's his main guy. Mm-hmm. The, the questionable thing is, Sanu or Dorsett, are they going to play? It sounds like Dors- they're both on the right side of questionable. Yeah. Dorsett cleared protocol, so he should be back. If Sanu doesn't go, I'm giving a grade to Dorsett, who has scored at five touchdowns in his eight games. If Sanu goes, 
his first game was okay. His second game was great. Yeah. And then his third game got injured. I tend to lead more to the second game. Okay. I think he's a C grade. Uh, White Michelle. I'm giving them both C's. Their snap percentages have dropped nearly 10% each since Rex Burkhead came back. Yeah. And their numbers have dwindled. But this is a bottom six run defense of the Texans that just got crushed by Marlon Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards and Jonathan Williams. So mm-hmm. I'm giving them both C grades. Okay. On the other side, Deshaun Watson, giving him a B grade. A tough matchup. It's a tough matchup. so many questions about it's Deshaun same Watson with, this week. It happened with Lamar Jackson, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deshaun Watson, mobile quarterback has five rushing touchdowns maybe he can get it there uh the last quarterback to face the pats to have 200 was over 215 yards was week one the b grade is basically rushing yeah so i'm giving hopkins and fuller both c grades hopkins gets gilmore who's shutting everyone down but it's still deandre hopkins fuller gets mccordy and fuller is questionable he might be he might be limited uh mccordy has the speed to run with him and the pats have only allowed one wide receiver touchdown this year i'm just hoping fuller can get deep for one i don't think you should bench him because he has that explosive high ceiling yeah i'm benching the other guys though bad run a bad t- bad defense or it's a bad matchup for the runners and darren fells isn't scoring touchdowns anymore i know and that's all he was giving you before yeah, exactly was, was scoring touchdowns yeah, yeah. so that's it for so that both one. runners dead well, to us yep they're dead in this game yeah yeah i, I think you're probably right about that yeah. this is like the second actual team the patriots is, are playing this season though yeah, it's true. It's I mean, been the second Dolphins real team. twice, the Giants, yeah. the Redskins. <sighs> now, Scott, yes, you've you have put together a sabotage drop yeah. candidate for people. And for, and for listeners who don't know, the sabotage drop is something that we've quasi invented. We've invented the term anyway. The idea is you drop a high profile player, a player whose name familiar, with the intent for somebody else to do two things: one, use up a waiver priority or a bunch of fab to go get that guy, and then go start him mistakenly because you know that player is not somebody that you you would yeah. ever be starting. So who is your sabotage drop candidate this you, week? You might get shocked by this, but it's a guy who 49% of his fantasy points came in three weeks. Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers. Mm. All three of those games were against bottom nine pass defenses at the time they played. Yes. Now He's the got la- the Giants this week. I want to got- start him this week and then drop him on Monday, right? Yes. Is that the thinking This here? is after the Giants game. Yes. Drop him for fantasy playoffs because Washington has only allowed an average of 218 yards passing and a total of seven touchdowns over the last six weeks. Mm. They flipped the script on they pass have. defense. They have. Then he gets Minnesota. You know in the last time Aaron Rodgers threw for more than 212 yards in Minnesota seven years ago. Wow. The last time he threw multiple touchdowns in Minnesota, over five years ago. Oh. He does not play well here. And Chicago, top five against quarterbacks. I know Blow did, or Blow did, yeah. Blow did go. Wow. Yeah, those are tough playoff matchups. So, uh, Drop him. I, I, the Vikings secondary, though, so I know. bad this I know. year. I, know. I want to be able to start him against Minnesota in that epic, which should be an epic game. Hey, if you uh, if you love the show and, or, and or if you miss any part of the show, go to fanball.com slash charge. You get all of my player rankings for free. You can hear more detail on all of these guys than we have time for in this show. We have our free $1,000 weekly contest. We have our frantic auctions that we love. We have salary cap DFS. We've got super flex DFS. All of these podcasts. Everything you need. Fanball.com slash charge. And many thanks to everybody who takes the time to rank and review the show on your podcasting platform of choice. We really very much appreciate that. We'll talk to you next week, everybody, for the fantasy playoffs. Bye-bye. Fantasy football 
Football Weekly is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.